There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Hey, guys and gals, we got something different for you today. We have launched a whole bunch of new stuff this week on Wired to Hunt. It is a very big week on Wired to Hunt. And one of those things is this brand new podcast you're about to hear. This is the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast with a new host, Tony Peterson. You've heard him on the show before. And what I want to do here in a second is toss you over to a little intro conversation between Tony and I explaining who he is, what this new podcast is going to be about, and what you can look forward to in the future. I'm really excited about this. You are going to enjoy this. Tune in for this intro discussion, and then we're going to jump right into the very first episode of the new show. You're going to learn a lot. You're going to become a better deer hunter because of this, and you're going to be having a damn good time too. So thank you. And oh, by the way, new theme music coming at you now too, both for this podcast and the regular Wired Hunt show. So uh, get ready for a little dance party too. All right. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by First Light. We have got a different kind of show for you today. And you will have a different kind of show every week from here on out when you listen to this podcast. Because I'm here with Tony Peterson, who has been a longtime contributor to Mediator, a frequent guest on the Wired Hunt podcast, and now officially a Wired to Hunt team member. Uh, Tony is here with me on the show today to talk to you about a brand new miniseries we're launching here that Tony is going to be hosting. So I'm I'm really excited about this. We've got some cool stuff in store and uh Tony, are you equally as as amped as I am or is this just a one-sided love affair right now that I'm just pretty stoked <laughs> and you're you're sitting there in the corner like I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I I I'm stoked too, buddy. I think this is going to be a really fun project to get out there and it's it's been really interesting to work on so far. Yeah. So I want to give folks just a little bit of background to you before we get into the details of what this podcast is going to be all about because most longtime listeners know your story but at the same time there's a lot of people that have come on more recently and and since the early days you just kind of jumped in and been like hey tony is a public land expert and then you talk 
Uh, we haven't really gotten into the Tony Peterson story. So now that you're going to be the host of this show, people really need to know you, man. Your skeletons have got to come out of the closet. We got to put it out there to the world. Can you can you give me like the cliff notes on how you got here, Tony? Man, I I feel, and I'm not being. You you and I have talked about this many times. I'm not being totally humble here. I feel like I've I got very lucky. And I just grew up loving to write, loving to read, and always had this had this little dream in the back of my mind of becoming an outdoor writer, even though I didn't think it was actually a viable career choice. And I just had a couple people take a flyer on me over the years, a couple editors and publishers, and I got into the industry uh, in my mid twenties. And it really it it was an eye opener for me because I was I was an associate editor for a big uh, bow hunting magazine. And the, the readers kept reaching out and saying, you know, I love the articles. I love blah, 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 but I want to hear more relatable stuff. You know, and I was sitting there like freshly married, no kids, tons of free time. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, well, so do I, like as a consumer of, you know, hunting media and somebody who had always just loved whitetails and bow hunting whitetails, I was like, I want to see more public land stuff. And I want to see more do it yourself stuff. And I ended up doing that job a couple of years and then going out freelance. And I just thought, I'm going to just try to give the audience what they want. And so I started focusing on public land, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago now. And it really just lit a fire in me. It made me realize how much I love that part of whitetails. And so that's kind of where, that's kind of where I came from, but it's always just, I've always been rooted in a love of deer. Like I've, it's something that has kept me awake my entire life. Ever since I was a little boy and my dad was hunting and he'd tell me about it, I just couldn't get enough of it. And then when I actually was old enough to hunt, it was just consuming for me. And it still is. And it's just, it's different now than it was then, but it's something that I just love so much. Yeah. yeah you know, it's, it's funny. You were doing the public thing before the public thing was cool. You're, you're really one of the OGs, Tony, um, as the kids <laughs> would say. And, <laughs> um, it's it's always interesting to hear your perspective on stuff because you've got more public land deer hunting experience than almost anybody out there, uh, at least anyone who's talking about this stuff publicly. You really have a tremendous amount of experience, um, but you're not limited just in that experience. So one thing I really appreciate about you and that I've always found particularly helpful is that you can talk the talk and walk the walk on the public land thing. But you've also done private land stuff. You've also done the management stuff. You've kind of put your your toe into all those waters and experienced it. And then you're not just in one place all the time either. You've done you've hunted in Florida, you've hunted in North Dakota, you've hunted in Oklahoma, you've hunted in Wisconsin. Like you've crossed the country too. So you've got this wide swath of experience. You've tested your ideas in many different settings. And and I think that gives you a lot of credibility and authority on this stuff, which is why you know, over the years, I've always looked at you as like one of the absolute top people I could ever talk to because you just had this, um, I don't know, just a really helpful set of experiences you could point back on that always helped me learn. And so, you know, as we started thinking about what's next for Wired to Hunt, where are the new opportunities? Where are the holes that we need to fill? Where are the opportunities where we can build what we've done and make it even better? Um, you know, you were that person who I saw as, as being a really good fit to do that, Tony. And and I think with this podcast that we're launching today, this new podcast mini series, I guess, um, I think you are uniquely 
fitted to to do this particular thing as well. So that's that's a long wind up to me basically <laughs> saying I want to I want to lay out a real simple explanation of what we're going to do and then I want you to give me like the long-winded explanation of of why and how. But here's here's the basic gist. This new mini series is going to be you know, it's going to be a second episode every week. So there's still going to be the regular Wired Hunt podcast episodes that I'll be hosting. But each week, you're also going to get this extra episode from Tony. And these are going to be short episodes featuring just Tony talking about just one specific foundational thing. So that's like the that's the first paragraph of the article. Now, Tony, give me the the how, what, why, when details on exactly where this is going what you have in mind this is your this is going to be your baby uh what do we have in store every week from here on out from your podcast well man this is this this came from many many conversations you and i had about uh the the questions we were getting asked by our audience and there's there's just certain lanes those questions fall into and they might involve scouting or they might involve gear they might involve you know hunting tactics and so this podcast will really be a breakdown of these concepts of everything that is involved in the whitetail world. And it, and it's not a, just a public land thing. It's not just a private land management thing. It's, it's a lot of these topics that transcend. And so, you know, you and I were chatting and saying, Hey, how do we kick this off the right way? What's, what's like one of the most transcendental topics out there. And it's scouting, you know, like everybody who's a really, really good deer hunter has some love of scouting and engages in it year round to some extent. Well, then we look at that and we start breaking that down into what's, what's the most beneficial for the largest amount of deer hunters. And you start getting these topics that range from e-scouting to, you know, long range glassing and all these, all these sort of umbrella categories, but then you start breaking them down and going, okay, how does this really benefit you know, a hunter down in Louisiana versus a hunter in the North woods of Michigan. And that's been the whole goal of this thing. And these episodes that come out are going to be a real breakdown of these, these topics. It's going to be just me nerding out on so many of these different things that are so important to deer hunters down to a real granular level to just try to make them as accessible as possible to the most deer hunters out there and help people just learn on the, on the process of whitetails. You know, I think, one of the one of the great things about podcasts has been that it has allowed folks within the hunting community to have these these deep conversations with somebody, right? We'll bring in some expert and we talk for a couple hours and we go into all these different topics and we get deep into these ideas and strategies that you know you just can't get when you're reading an article or when you watch a twenty two minute TV show. Um, and so that that lends itself to a lot of interesting stuff. But the downside, is that those most important nuggets or those most important takeaways sometimes get lost in the soup of all the other things you talk about over the course of two hours. So it takes a long time to get to those most important aha moments. And it's also, you know, sometimes lost in the noise. And what I'm hoping and what I'm pretty confident that we're going to be able to do with this is get straight to the aha moments, get straight to those key takeaways, you know, instead of listening for me ramble for two hours with somebody, you can listen to Tony for 15 minutes, give you 
like a straight shot right to the uh, maybe this is a bad metaphor. It's going to give you it's going <laughs> to it's going to give you a just a I don't know. I'm lacking for metaphors completely now, Tony, but it's going to give you exactly what you want in the shortest amount of time, very clearly and concisely explaining a topic, an important topic without all the beating around the bush. So that if you've got 15 minutes on the treadmill or if you've got 20 minutes to get to work or if you've got 12 minutes before the kids wake up from their nap, you can look and find, hey, you know what? I really need to get a better understanding of e-scouting in this kind of way. Bam. Here it is. Tony's going to give you the lowdown in, in about as detailed and helpful of a way as you could find anywhere on the internet, but you're going to get it through your headphones or your speakers in a way that's easy for you to, to consume. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's the side of this thing that's got me excited. I think it's just going to be so, I don't know. These days, time is more important than anything to a lot of us, right? We're always busy. We're always running all over the place. And I'm always trying to think like, what's the best bang for my buck when it comes to how I spend my time? So if I'm going to choose between, you know, watching this show or watching this five minute video or whatever it might be, I'm always thinking about, okay, what do I want to get out of this? And how much time do I have to give to it? And I don't think there's going to be any better use of your deer hunting learning time than one of these straight shots of Tony Peterson. Man, I, I hope you're right, buddy. <laughs> what else? What else? What else do we have to look forward to here? Like, what do you want folks to know about? Um, you said you're going to nerd out every week. What does that mean? <laughs> so my my strategy with content like this is I want to I want to give people ideas, right? Like it, people often reach out to us and they want to know how do I hunt this spot or why don't I kill you know, big bucks more often, or I, I travel somewhere and I fail. Why? But hunting is like so individual. It's so subjective and it's hard to sit here and give advice to, and you, you know, this better than anyone, like give advice to the whole range of, of whitetail hunters who are going to check in. But the idea is to take these concepts, these foundations that are, that, that are found no matter where you hunt, no matter how you hunt and really give people like a deep dive into them and give them some ideas how how to how to do them better or how to apply them to their whitetail scouting or their whitetail hunting or maybe their their you know post shot recovery and just give people something to think about and consider to level up their whitetail game. I think in addition to that, the word that came to my mind as you were saying that is actionable. Like these are really actionable. It's it's not a bunch of fluffy, oh, you know, I went out and did this thing and it was kind of interesting. No, it's like, hey, here is one specific thing. Here's a few really important things I've learned along the way. And here's something you can do tomorrow. Or here's something you can do two months from now that is going to help you. And this is exactly how to do it. Um, you don't get that in the audio world a whole lot. This is where you will find that. Um, and I got to tell you what, I'm putting a lot of pressure on you, Tony. I'm really, I'm really... Uh, I'm really shining the spotlight on what I'm hoping and thinking this is going to be. So you better, you better damn well produce Tony. <laughs> you know, I'm trying, but you keep cutting out all of my good jokes in my, in my scripts. <laughs> There's some truth to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I mean, everything you said is true. I can tell you that I've always find that the best podcast podcast episodes of Wired Hunt are the ones where I personally am like genuinely thrilled to learn from this person or learn about this topic. 
And now I know that every single week there's going to be something like that coming from you. Uh, because I can honestly say, and this is not me tooting your horn or blowing smoke up your butt. Um, I value your experience and opinion more than just about anyone else in the, in the deer hunting world. So I selfishly am excited to learn from you and to get refreshers on a lot of these things and probably some new stuff too that I haven't thought about. I guess the only other thing I would say, Tony, is maybe, you know, are there any other, do you want to tease, I guess, what we have to look forward to? Any specific topics or episodes coming down? Like what can people specifically look to be popping up in their podcast feed over the coming weeks or months? Well, yeah, for sure, man. You you can think about it this way is it's it's gonna be tied into seasonality. So these are gonna drop every week. And you know, we're gonna be in the heart of of scouting season right now. So there's gonna be a lot of a lot of episodes on the different kinds of scouting, you know, boots on the ground, trail cameras, different kinds of trail cameras, how to use them, uh, some long range, you know, glassing stuff, and then it'll get us right into the season. And I'm I'm really excited for that part because it's it'll be a breakdown of different hunting styles and probably kick off September with some, some water hunting episodes. And, you know, that's something I get asked about all the time and, you know, different kinds of water, rivers, ponds, cattle tanks, just move right on through October and uh, cover really seasonably appropriate, seasonally appropriate uh, topics. And I, I just can't wait to get into them. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, I'm, I'm excited about it. Interested to start listening and I guess with that being said, Tony, I think maybe I should drop off. I should shut up and I should let you take it from here. So uh, does that sound like a good plan? Sounds like a great plan, buddy. All right. Here goes episode one of Foundations with Tony Peterson. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast your guide to the fundamentals of better deer hunting. And now, your host, Tony Peterson. Hey everybody, on this week's show, I'm going to make the case for why every whitetail hunter needs to fall madly in love with scouting so they can take their game to the next level. I get asked every single week, probably every single day at this point, about deer hunting. And the questions always take two paths. What can I buy to kill more deer? Where can I go to kill more big bucks? And I get it. Everybody wants, they want that secret sauce. They want to know, like, what's what's the call that's going to always bring them in? Where's the public land in a certain state that I'm going to go and see 140s left and right? Doesn't exist. The key to becoming a better deer hunter and in enjoying your time out there more is just scouting. It's the secret sauce out there. And if you learn to not only just love scouting, but to really, really embrace the different methods of scouting that are available to us, you will absolutely fill more tags, but you'll find that there's just like a more fulfilling experience out there as a deer hunter. And this episode is just dedicated to begging you to learn to love scouting, to accept the fact that if this is the first step to becoming somebody who can really level up their whitetail game, and in fact, like the next 10 episodes, they're all devoted to scouting. That's how important I think this is to becoming a better deer hunter.
Have you ever really thought about how some people just seem to fill their buck tags no matter where they hunt? Whether they stay in their home state and hunt private ground or they head out of state to hunt some distant chunk of public dirt, some hunters just have critter sense. And they aren't killing deer simply by growing them on exclusive ground, which is a strategy that dominates much of the whitetail scene these days. These hunters seem to find success everywhere, often on ground that is open to anyone and has a reputation for not exactly churning out easy-to-kill deer, kind of like that public land that you probably hunt. So what's their secret? It could be time, of course. There is a tangible benefit to having days upon days to devote to all things deer. Yet many of these absolute killers are working full-time jobs, and they're out there raising young families, and they're just not exactly flush with early retirement-level free time. They might, you could guess, have a lot of disposable income to spend on the best gear, which certainly helps. Or they might have a vast network of people willing to share secret spots with them, so that no matter where they hunt, they've got insider information to operate with. Or they might just possess, I don't know, like some level of cosmic luck that just shows up during their tree stand sits and ushers big bucks into range with annoying frequency. You and I know these are all possibilities, of course, but they don't take into account the reality of what it takes to be a big buck serial killer on pressured ground. To accomplish this, you've simply got to develop like all of the most successful do-it-yourselfers have, a pure, true love of scouting. And now it's often said that a buck's home range will consist of no more than a section of land, and that within that square mile, a buck will settle down as a youngster and he'll build a nice little life for himself. He'll have all the does he needs, plenty of predator-free places to take a little midday snooze, and enough groceries to see him through to old age, provided he can survive that long. It's not so simple, though. GPS studies in states like South Carolina and Pennsylvania have shown how tricky pinning down a home range really is, not to mention how variable they are in size. Some bucks average 350-acre home ranges, which is pretty small, while others might call more than 900 acres home, which is pretty big. Whatever a specific buck's number is, his home range isn't wrapped in a 9-foot-tall fence to keep him right where he's supposed to be. At least that's the case with the deer you and I are hunting. Excursions are made, and home ranges can shift over time due to a variety of factors. And even if there was like a hardwired genetic trigger in bucks that forced them to keep home ranges of exactly a certain number, there's, there's really a problem with how we think about it, you know? As humans, we have a tendency to try to simplify complex topics for our personal understanding, just to make things a lot easier for ourselves. And so in this case, we envision a buck living in an actual square mile, but a deer's home range isn't all about living dead center in the middle of a specific amount of land. It's all about what that land has to offer the deer. Habitat, or quality habitat, is, is really the name of the game here. This is easiest to understand when you think about this in terms of a western whitetail. Like, picture this stereotypical 135-incher out there on the Milk River in Montana, in one of those places that for, like, 10 years when you turned on the outdoor channel or you started watching a, a hunting video, you saw these bucks crossing that river coming out into an alfalfa field. Picture that buck that was so popular back then. He might have lived in a river bottom that is framed on both sides by cottonwood woodlots and, you know, just thicker than the surrounding area patches of brush and shrubs. Or to put it another way, just generally the best habitat in his region even if he might have chased a doe out through the prairie at some point during the rut or had to cross a mostly featureless pasture to get to food. 
Right now, you can find this scenario in the Big Sky State, of course, but also from the western Dakotas on down through Oklahoma and farther west into other states more known for elk and mule deer opportunities. What you won't find generally is a solid block of 640 acres of sweet deer cover, even though we're all looking for that, right? You'll find thin strips of cover along the water and fingers of it stretching up into the hills. You might be able to lump in the disused corners of an irrigated alfalfa field or some other agriculture, but no matter what, you're just not going to find a simple square of land that is the right size and consists of everything a buck needs. And even if you did find that unicorn out there, you're probably not going to get permission to hunt it anyway. Those river bottom bucks might very well have a home range that's 640 acres or real close to that, but it could consist of three miles of thin creek or river bottom, which might serpentine its way through three or five different properties. These regions with their limited cover are at least easier to narrow down when you're on the hunt for a good buck's home base. Those hunters in the deep south or up in the far north or plenty of places out east have, have a totally different task. How do you find a specific deer's home range in thousands of acres of unbroken timber? Or a bigger ask, how do you find the 50 or 100 acres of core area where a specific buck really spends most of his daylight hours through the hunting season? In my life as a diehard bow hunter, this is the biggest challenge I've encountered out there so far. And the answer to it, the answer to a lot of these questions just involves scouting. This is the great intangible that you can't buy at your local sporting goods store. It's not a magic grunt tube that doubles as a fawn bleeding, snort wheezing, guaranteed to call in only dominant five and a half year old bucks to bootlicking range super call. It's not a simple hunting strategy either. Like, I don't know, posting up on a soybean field in September, rattling on Halloween morning, or heading in to sit a sweet terrain pinch point on November 7th. Instead, it's a year-long pursuit of deer knowledge that allows you to pick up not only on an individual buck's clues, but the evidence that all of the deer are leaving behind every single day of their lives. And there are many, many methods of scouting, and the best hunters learn to love them all. Just like the best hunters don't rely solely on one hunting style, this willingness to expand their trusted bag of tricks into which falls all types of scouting allows them to not only start honing in on an individual buck, if they have the option, but to also just develop layers of understanding on deer and build the confidence they need to get into the kill zone when the situation presents itself. These hunters and their time spent e-scouting or hiking through the woods in the off-season or sitting on the glass in August, check several boxes on how to become more consistently successful at filling tags. They do this by gaining a real understanding of the ground, and they find actionable sign on that ground, which adds to the list of clues on just how the deer use it. And lastly, they put themselves in a position to actually watch deer, both in and out of the season. They then mix all this together to create a picture of usage on any given tract of land. This allows them to take that knowledge to a new property or to a new state and apply what they've learned. The benefits of this experience, if you want to become a better deer hunter, are hard to put into words. It's the secret sauce to all DIY big buck killers. It's in their DNA. It's in the DNA of every single hunter who has made a name for himself as a successful public land hunter. 
It's the reason guys like Eddie Claypool or Andy May can show up in a new state on ground they've never seen before and put together an actionable and often successful hunting plan, even if they only have a few days to work with. The knowledge levels they've built by loving to scout allow them to apply tried and true templates to just about any spot a whitetail calls home. And then they can cater their strategy to sync up with regional specifics. In other words, their love of scouting allows them to fast track the process so that they can layer in e-scouting, a quick turn and burn boots on the ground mission, and then pivot to a hunt in almost no time. Drawing on their past experience and putting it to good use in the moment is their strategy and it works. When I first started traveling to hunt whitetails in random states on public land, this point was just absolutely driven home to me. From the very first mornings and evenings I spent glassing North Dakota river bottom bucks to killing a 140 inch eight pointer, the first day I really set out to hunt mature bucks on public land, the whole thing just became clear. It's the work you put in beforehand, before each hunt that matters the most. And most of that work just involves different kinds of scouting. Now you're probably thinking, okay, so I've got to scout more if I want to kill more bucks. That's not exactly rocket science, dude. We've been hearing that a long time. And you're right. It's not. But that's not the case I'm laying out here. Instead of just spending a couple more weekends winter scouting, or maybe running a few more cameras this summer like it's a job, you've actually got to learn to foster a love of scouting. You've got to develop a deep, unabashed, seventh grade crush on scouting. You should be writing your name plus deer scouting and framing it in a heart with an arrow through it in your notebook. That's how much you should love scouting. And you should embrace this part of the hunt because it is without question a part of the hunt. And it's fun too, if you learn to look at it as an extension of the hunt. It gets even more enjoyable when you start seeing some of it turn into the little rewards along the way. This is the key to long game beneficial activities like, I don't know, getting in shape or doing the best you can to raise kids so they don't turn out to be feral lunatics. It takes work, but work can be enjoyable if it's rewarding. And in the case of loving to scout, the big payoffs might be a dead buck each fall, or they might be smaller things like seeing a few more deer on your sits and feeling like you're just always in the game, no matter where you hunt. That's a big deal. It's not nothing. In fact, a great way to think about it is to imagine someone posing on the beach in Florida with a big redfish in his or her hands. That Instagram-worthy moment looks like the best part of inshore fishing, and it is a blast. But if you could reverse engineer it, you might see that same fisherman minutes or hours earlier working along, eyeballing the waves that are breaking in an effort to find a riptide or just some current seam. You might see them spot something in the action of the swells that trips a memory of past catches, and it says to them, this, this is the place to cast. You might see their anticipation manifest itself visibly in their body language, just like when a good bird dog gets on the fresh scent of a rooster. Or you could go further back, and you might see that person fishing by a pier with a little bait-catching sabiki rig earlier in the day, filling up their bait bucket. Or maybe you'd see them winging a cast net into the surf to round up some pinfish or mullet. Certainly, a bait-catching mission like that isn't the same thing as fighting a big red through the surf, but it is still, more importantly, a 
one step in the direction of the ultimate goal. And don't kid yourself, it was absolutely necessary to the process. Whitetail hunting is like that. And I'm not saying to you that you have to devote 365 days in a year to scouting. But you could, although at some point you'd probably be doing more harm than good to your hunting and to your marriage and probably to like your sanity. Instead, just work to gradually increase the frequency of all types of scouting, not just the ones you like. Try to figure out why it's more fun than not doing something whitetail related. Embracing and enjoying e-scouting and time in the woods during the off season adds to the entire deer hunting process and isn't just the best way to become a more effective Terminator level whitetail killer. It's a way to level up on your woodsmanship and really develop a confidence level that allows for better decision making when you set down the spotting scope and actually pick up your bow or rifle. It's also a way to balance out the unknowns that make deer hunting such a challenge. You can't predict what the weather will be like when you take your PTO to hunt. It's out of your hands. But you can go into that rutcation with multiple potential stand sites or hunting spots that were littered with rubs last year. Or maybe just features a season-long pinch point that boasts the most well-used multi-generational trails on the property. You can't predict how many other hunters will pull into the management area parking lot an hour before first light, but you can stay ahead of them and the deer by wading out to the rubbed up island you found back in April. Instead of griping about the pressure and a lack of a plan B, a love of scouting will position you to react according to these variables that are simply out of your control and yet a part of every single hunt. Over time and with a little extra effort, you might find that the key to that late October grip and grin was that you simply couldn't wait way back in March to go take a walk through a random chunk of public land to see if you could find some deer sign and maybe look at a few interesting benches along a certain hard-to-reach ridgeline. And now that you know you've got to foster a true love of scouting, you're going to want to keep listening to Foundations. We've only scratched the surface of whitetail scouting, and for the next several weeks, I'll be taking a serious dive into all aspects of deer scouting, right down to the tiniest details, starting with next week's episode that focuses all on big picture e-scouting. And that is it for this week, my friends. Be sure to stay tuned so you can keep developing your whitetail hunting game to a higher level. I'm Tony Peterson, and this has been the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you here next week. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today 
at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.